We're going to finish our 2020 vision series this week. Isn't that horrible? I know, I'm sure you're distraught, just like I am, that the 2020 vision series is going to be over because it's 2020. I've been looking forward to this for years. So much fun to have a 2020 vision series. But this is our last week. So far, we've talked about our vision statement, reach up, rise up, reach out. Very important stuff. A real relationship with the living God is available to you. A real relationship with the living God will change you. And a real relationship with the living God is a call to action. We've talked about the empowerment model. And last week we talked about faith for increase, believe in God for great and mighty things. So today I'm going to try to call us up in our service to Jesus. And that's the plan. We're going to celebrate some stuff. We're going to talk about some practical things. And I don't think this is a trick question, but some people in Christian circles get confused with this. But let me ask you this. Do you want to be great? Yeah, you should. All right. You should be great. Now, it's easier if I say this. Do you want to do great things for the Lord? That's easier, right? Because it's not self-focused. It's focused on the Lord. But if we're going to be great servants of God, then we've got to do great things for the Lord. And we want to grab hold of that. But we need to understand what greatness looks like in the kingdom of God. Because there's different types of great. You know, today is Super Bowl Sunday. So what's greatness in sports? Greatness in sports is beating people, right? If you can beat everyone, if you can be bigger, stronger, faster, and you can crush your opponent, you're great. Is that greatness in Christ? That's a different thing, different type of greatness. How about greatness in the academic world? You know, like you want to write a great doctoral dissertation. What is that? Well, it's going to be something about some little detail that other people haven't noticed that you're going to bring to the light and you're going to defend and you're going to have this super complicated, specific detail. Is that greatness in the body of Christ? Some people think it is and they go into these weird theology things. But let me tell you, that's not greatness in the kingdom of God. What is greatness? Greatness in business is getting a better deal, right? It's, it's getting the, the better deal. So you want to get the advantage in business. So what is greatness in the body of Christ? Well, I've thought about this quite a while. Because if you get this wrong, it's a mess. I think greatness in following Jesus is like archery. It's seeing the target and hitting the bullseye. That's what I think greatness in the body of Christ is. Do we see what the most important thing is? And can we hit it? That is greatness. So what is the center of the target. Let's look. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 24, which is a loaded verse. When the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. So what did they hear about? What's the situation here? So James and John with their mother went to Jesus and they said, Hey, we know you're going to be coming into your kingdom, into your glory. And, and so James and John's mother, they're two of the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles. James and John's mother says, hey, would it be okay? I re- I'm just asking you that one of my sons would be able to sit on your left and the other on your right in your kingdom. So make them your number one and your number two guys. So they're having a sneaky side meeting to try to get in front of the other 10 disciples. So that's what they're trying to do. Is that greatness in the kingdom of God? Budging in line, sneaking in front of other people. So this is a bit of a problem. And then the other 10 hear about it and they are upset. They're like, dudes, we're supposed to love each other. What are you doing? 
Verse 25, Jesus called them together. So he's got to call a staff meeting. You know, we're in Matthew chapter 20. This is pretty far along and there's important things going on, but he's got to call a staff meeting to get people together so that they can solve this little problem that they got. And Jesus says this, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. So apparently in this culture, greatness was about power. If you had more military strength, if you had more authority and you could tell people what to do, that was great. Maybe that's your view of greatness, being able to push other people around. They're trying to get into this higher place of authority. And Jesus is saying the world is like that, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. So Jesus doesn't say, don't try to be great. You just need to be a humble, worthless worm. Don't try to, no, he says, go ahead and be great. But let me tell you what greatness is. It's not like sports greatness. It's not like academic greatness. It's not like military greatness. It is greatness in serving others. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus did not come to be served, but he came to serve. And so if we are followers of Christ, we don't come to be served, but we come to serve. Now we have a significant problem in modern Western Christianity. And that's what they call consumer Christianity. Now, when you come to church, I hope you get something out of it. I really do. I hope you have a a great experience in worship. I hope the announcements just get you so excited about what God is doing that you just can hardly stand it. You know, I hope that the preaching time draws you into a deeper place of understanding and active living for Christ. I hope that the prayer time at the end, you know, feeds your soul and helps break stuff off of you and brings in the miracles of God to your life. I hope you get something out of it. But our faith is not about being served. It's about serving. It's about giving to others. It's about helping others, esteeming others. It's very important. We don't want to get confused about what greatness in church is. You know, some people think the ABCs of church is where success is. You know, the ABCs, attendance, buildings, and cash. You know, is that where greatness is in church? Attendance, buildings, and cash. Well, you know, you need people and you need places and you need things to do something for the kingdom of God. But that's not what it's about. Because you can get those things and not have anything to do with Jesus. So we need to understand that serving the Lord, having a heart that is like Jesus in serving others is the center of the target of greatness for the kingdom of God. What does that look like? Step one is attitude. Step one must be attitude. The place that our heart is, is very, very important. We're going to read Philippians two, three through five. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. It used to say, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. 
with regards to how we interact with human beings, our mindset, our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. What was his mindset? What was his attitude to serve, to help, to lift up, to bring new life, to forgive. That was his mindset. And we need to have the same mindset. We must have the right attitude towards other people. A great pastor and preacher that I follow is named Dave Williams, one of our great Assembly of God pastors. And I was fortunate to go to some of his conferences years ago. And he talked about the three-legged stool of serving the Lord. And it has three legs. There's the spiritual leg, the practical leg, and the attitude leg. And you have to have all three. If you try to sit on a two-legged stool, you're going to fall over. But let's say somebody wants to be a worship leader. If they're not a believer, is that a good idea? No, you got to have the spiritual part. Now, if they've got a deep, beautiful relationship with the Lord, but they can't sing or play an instrument to save their life, is that okay? No, because now we don't have the practical. If they have a beautiful relationship with God and they have a tremendous musical capacity, but they have a bad attitude, is that going to work? No, if they're prideful and selfish, if they think everybody else should go the extra mile, but they don't have to, then it's not going to work. So you need the spiritual side, the practical side, and the attitude to be right in order for us to serve God effectively. So step one in serving the Lord must be attitude. Then when we have the right attitude, it leads to us offering ourselves in service to God. And what we have is time, talent, and treasure. That is the stuff that we have at our disposal. We can offer our time, our abilities, and our treasures, our finances to the Lord to serve God. Now, I could look at a lot of different scriptures as far as it goes Because, you know, we're talking about service. This includes, you know, serving in volunteer places, different things like that, using your giftings. And it also includes giving. And I was just kind of searching the scriptures on what verses to use to talk about this. And I don't think I've used 2 Corinthians 8, 10 through 14 before. But I just think this is powerful in understanding serving the Lord and giving of our time talents, and treasures. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 8, starting in verse 10. Now they were taking a a collection, and that's the context. This was a collection that it's more like a capital campaign. It took more than a year to to work through. And so the Apostle Paul is talking to the church in Corinth about this. And so let's pick it up here in verse 10. And here's my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Now that's a bit difficult uh, wording there, but what Paul is saying here is that When you give based on what you have, then God will honor what you give based on what you have, not based on what other people have. So if somebody's got a million dollars and they give a thousand dollars and you have three dollars and you give three dollars, who gave more? The person who gave three dollars. 
You know, that's what, that was Jesus' point with the widow's mites. You know, that she came and she gave her two pennies and that's all she had. And Jesus commended her for doing that. And Jesus said, look, she gave more than everybody else because that's how God does the math with that. It's about what you have, not about beating somebody else who has more. It's about what are you giving of what you have? So the gift is acceptable according to what one has. Then verse 13, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed, but that there might be equality at the present time. Your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. Verse 13 is the one I want to focus on. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed, but there might be equality. The goal is not for a few people to serve sacrificially, to give sacrificially, to go the extra 10 miles and a bunch of other people to do nothing. The goal is for everyone to do their part. When everyone does their part, then there is equality. There's that ebb and flow. You know, sometimes you can help your friend. Sometimes your friend helps you, you know, it goes back and forth. And in the body of Christ, it's like that. Maybe at one moment, you've got the ability to do something. Then next year, you don't, but somebody else can step up. That's okay. You know, that's what we want. The, the goal is not inequality where one is hard pressed and another is relieved, but equality. And here's the thing in serving Christ seems to me that if you look at Christians, some of them are doing a lot more than others for the kingdom of God. That some are serving and giving and stretching and doing everything they can. And there are the others who are like, no, man, I, I don't need to do anything. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to give. I don't need to serve. I can, I can just worship God by myself in the woods. I'm not doing anything. As those who back off. What we want is for everyone to do their part. I'm sure you've seen in our culture, those churches with 10 or 15 older saints that are making it happen. There's a lot of complicated stuff involved with that. I don't want to oversimplify it, but here's the question. Where are the other people? They can't do that on their own. They're carrying a heavy burden. A lot of them are spending their retirement money so they can keep the church open because they feel that this is what matters for the kingdom of God. And they are striving and they're carrying a heavy, heavy load and they're 80 years old. Where's the other people? We need to come in and serve and work together so that we don't hang people out to dry. How many people have served and there would have been so much easier if somebody had helped you, but you had to do it on your own. We need to all work together, all do our part. The goal isn't for some to be relieved and some hard pressed, but for there to be equality. This to me, I think is the most powerful verse that I've read in a long time with regards to serving and giving. Let's all do our part. Let's compare this with Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says this. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So the body grows as each part does its work. The all y'all grows and builds itself up in love as you as an individual, I as an individual, as we each do our part. 
That's what causes the growing and building up in the body of Christ is each of us doing our part. I told you earlier, we're going to celebrate because here's the deal. I am totally preaching to the choir because we have a fantastic congregation that gives and serves and does amazing things. So we have 240 active volunteers at good hope church, 240. Now, This is the number of people who are very likely to serve in church in February this year. 240 different people who are actively serving in the ministries of the church. That's half of our overall attendance. That's amazing. Isn't that fantastic? This is what the whole point of not some being hard pressed and others relieved. A whole bunch of people coming in and serving together. Praise God for that. Isn't that fantastic? That's celebration number one. Celebration number two, you must be doing a good job of serving because you're attracting other people. I tell you what happens on the stage has, it's significant, but it's not as big a deal as people think. What it's about is individuals serving the Lord honestly and loving other people. That's what gets the job done, man. And and you're also giving amazingly. And so thank you for serving the Lord and for honoring God with your giving. It's fantastic stuff. I remember when I was a new pastor, it was a few years till we had to start using commas. You know, like when you can, when you can do your uh, books on your fingers, that's not so great. But this is just cool stuff. Let's go back to Ephesians 4.16. Let's look at the corporate and the individual parts of that verse and how they work together. The corporate part, for him, the whole body, that's all of us believers, that's Good hope, but it's also other churches, all the believers, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. So the body, the church, you know, the, the big church, not just good hope, but all the churches, the body of Christ, the faith community grows and builds itself up in love. So this is the plan for growth and building up in love of the body of Christ. What's the individual's responsibility with that is each part does its work. So all of us together grow and build are built up in love. And the way that works is each part doing its work. Now, this puts me back in a quandary. So last week I talked about the tension that I was under in preaching on faith. Because I believe in preaching on faith, and I believe if we have faith, we will see miracles. And the harder I preach on faith, and the more we believe, the more miracles and the more great things we're going to see God do. But the more disappointed people are going to be when it doesn't happen the way they expected. The more hurt they're going to be when the experience that they have doesn't line up with what their faith was predicting. And I don't like when people are hurt. So we talked about that last week and we went to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, you know, and, and uh, they're having it out with Nebuchadnezzar. And they said, our God is well able to deliver us from your hand and he's going to, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to worship your gods. So that's how you can kind of help that believe, believe with all your heart, but don't hang your relationship with God on it. Believe for the victory. With all that you have, none of it doesn't happen. You're like, ah, well, I'm going to heaven. (laughs) It's okay. Uh, You know, even if he doesn't, how do we deal with calling people up to serve the Lord? Because again, everybody's in a different place. If I'm going to hammer giving, 
then some people are going to be at that place where they're like, yep, yeah, that's right. I got to do better in my giving. But for people who aren't in that place, it can harm them. I'm talking about you need to serve and someone's coming here. It's their first time. They're totally burnt out after 20 years of carrying the whole burden and everybody else just watching. They're the hard pressed. They're totally burnt out. Then they come to church and I say, you got to serve. You got to volunteer. You got to, that might hurt them. Maybe it's your place to take that step in serving, but it's not theirs. So what do I tell people when everything's different? Because if I say something that applies to you, but not to them, it can harm them. Well, what do I do? Here's my best thing. I want you to take your next step in serving Jesus, whatever that is. Whatever your next step is, take it. If it's putting your faith in Jesus in the first place, just do that. Don't worry about the rest of it. Just trust in the Lord. If your next step is in serving, take the foundations class, get yourself hooked up in serving. If your next step is taking a leap of giving, if it's through kingdom investments, great, do that. Take your next step. We, uh, as a staff, we've been trying to figure out how to help people take their next step. And I don't know if this is what we're going to do branding wise, but it's been interesting to work through this process because we've sort of delineated three different tracks that people can be on that they need to take another step in. And if you're in, if your need is one thing, but I'm hammering on a different track, it might do you damage. So let's talk about those three tracks just briefly. So the three tracks of taking your next step First one would be finding your people. Some people, they, they need to find their, their friends, their brothers and sisters in Christ, their, their faith community. They need to find their people. Then there's finding your peace. Some people, they've got, they've got inner hurts and wounds, unforgiveness, uh, self-hatred, uh, all the, you know, you got to find your peace. Some people are in that track. And then there's finding your purpose, the purpose track. And this is about, you know, commitment to serving the Lord and taking those steps. If you're at the finding your people, you're like, man, I am alone. I I can't believe I'm in this world alone. Hey, I would suggest uh, taking the alpha course. We're we're doing the alpha course. It's starting here in just a couple weeks. You can sign up on the info area. You can sign up online, goodhope.ag slash events. And you can figure out what to do with that. And there's a questionnaire that you fill out and it'll have things like hobbies and stuff like that on the questionnaire. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to put small groups together of people who have similar interests. And then you might find somebody that you click with, you know, like, isn't that smart? That wasn't even my idea. Somebody else came up with that. That's fantastic stuff. So you need to find your people. Alpha, take alpha. You know, or just meet people, but work on that. If that's your next step, work on that. How about finding your peace? Man, come up for prayer. We got prayer teams up here. Every service, come and get some prayer. There's a lot of other steps along that too, but come get some prayer. Finding your purpose. Let me just talk about two things. If giving is your next step, if you can feel, oh man, yep, it's time for me to step up my giving. You know, kingdom investments is a great way to do that extra giving. But if you're in that place where, you know what, I need to, I need to get into tithing. I need to be a tither. I need to do my 10%. Then uh, we have a program here. And again, if this isn't for you, don't let it damage you. You know what I mean? But I want to bring it up because for some it will be. We've got this uh, 90-day challenge. Very excited about it. 
Uh, what this is, is it's taking that Malachi three very seriously of test me in this, you know, see if I won't pour out all these blessings. So this is basically a test tithe. You can fill out the card or you can sign up online and then you start the tithing process. And if it doesn't work for you, we'll, we'll set it aside. If it's not working, we'll just give it back to you and you can do it as a test. And it's 90 days. You got, you know, you do that for 90 days and then we'll give you another uh, 30 days. So you get 120 days to request it back. And then you don't have to worry. It's like if you're scared to do it, but you want to see if God will show up, then give this, give this a shot. It's a real good opportunity. So that's the 90 day challenge. Uh, it's a tithing, a test tithe challenge. So if that's where you're at, go ahead and do that. Um, and then Another thing is, is being a partner with good hope. This is another way of finding your purpose. And this is uh, a type of membership with good hope church, but you know, there's people that attend, there's people who uh, are members, there's people who are volunteers, then there's partners. Those are people that are on board with the church and they're leaning in and they're doing what they can do. And uh, I'll talk about that uh, more another time, but we'll also have a partner class in April. So if you want to find out what it means to be a partner, uh, we'll have a class in April. It'll be two sessions. You'll be able to find out all about being a partner. So I encourage you to check that out. If you're looking to take that next step in finding your purpose, and that's in commitment to the church. So these are all things that we can do in finding our next steps. So I want to encourage you, you know, as a congregation, we're doing fantastic. You as an individual, just take your next step. You don't have to measure up to the person next to you. You don't have to worry about any of that. Look at yourself. Where are you with God? Take your next step. Finding your people, finding your peace, finding your purpose. Take your next step. Because as we remember what Christ has done for us, then we answer the call. We go to him. I want to read a paradox from Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 25. It says this, then Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. This is a paradox. Jesus is saying, if we give up our lives, we'll get to have our lives. But if we cling to our life, we won't get to have it. It's a strange, strange concept. But Jesus says this in six different ways it's recorded in the gospel. So he must have said this a lot. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for, for me, for Christ, will find it. You know, there are a lot of paradoxes in life. I've talked about the marriage paradox. Valentine's Day this year, we're not going to do a relationship sermon. We'll be in the Armor of God series. So I'll mention the marriage paradox here. You know, the husband has to give more than they take, or it's not going to work. And the wife has to give more than they take, or it's not going to work. But if they both give more than they take, then they'll both get more than they gave. It's a paradox. But you can't give enough to experience that type of relationship. And that leads to the church paradox. The church paradox is what if we all gave more than we took in church? We gave more grace. We gave more love and kindness. We gave more mercy than we took. If we all did that, we'd all get something way more than what we could give. 
to be part of a community that loves each other, that shows mercy and grace towards each other, that prefers one another, to be part of a community like that, boy, there's no price you could put on that. It's a paradox. This paradox that Christ gives, it's kind of like the purpose paradox or the existential paradox. To find your true life, you give it up. To find your true purpose, you carry your cross, you give your life to Christ, and then you find who you really are. This is an incredible paradox, but it is what Christ did. Jesus went to the cross. It's what we celebrate in communion. He went to the cross to be killed, to die. Is that how you find life? Jesus rose again. Jesus rose and was exalted. He went through humiliation and pain and death to receive glory and everlasting life at the right hand of God. He did this first. And he says to us to follow him. We carry our cross. We deny ourselves. But when we give our life, then we find it. Then we get to receive it. Let's believe his word that if we truly go all in with Jesus, that we will receive the purpose that our life is for, the character and even the activities that our life is for. And let's look at what our next step is, each of us individually. Don't let this be daunting. Don't let it be too big of a deal. Just take one step and then take another. It works out real well. Let's pray. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great plan, your plan of redemption, your plan to have sinners forgiven and brought into your family. Lord, we acknowledge that we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Lord, your forgiveness is there for us. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for paying the price on the cross for receiving the scourging, for receiving the false uh, conviction, for receiving that death penalty that brought forgiveness for the sins of the world because the price was paid. Your death covered all of the cost of our sin. But Lord, you rose again that we may have new life that we may grab hold of life that is truly life and find out our true purpose. So Lord, we thank you. We honor you. We worship you. We accept your forgiveness and we pledge to take our next step so that we can serve you more effectively, so that we can believe in you more strongly, so that we can walk in your ways with more power. Bless us as we receive. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you. Thank you for including us in your plan. And Lord, I pray over each one here, each one hearing my voice, that you would call them up into the fullness of who they were created to be. That you would call them up into victory, into joy, into peace, into grace and mercy, and extending those things and forgiveness. Lord, help us to overcome, not to be run over by the darkness and the evil of this world, but to overcome evil with good. Lord, bless us in this way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.